It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines, a panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. All right, it's Saturday, and we're talking sports. We got an emergency. <laughs> okay. We got it's an emergency podcast day with all the news coming out of Padres headquarters in San Diego. I'm here with legendary uh, legendary radio sportscaster Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. How you doing, Lee? John, what a great sports weekend it would be, but it's not a great sports weekend as it relates to the San Diego Padres. The Fernando Tatis story is front and center, and that's anything everybody is talking about, not only just in San Diego, but what's going on around the nation. You know, I've, I was out actually this afternoon going over to the Postal Annex here in Poway, talking with my buddy Dennis. That's all we're talking about. Fernando Tatis, guys are walking into the store. Everyone's talking about it. It's the buzz around town. It really is. And it was a dark day for the Padres. It's a black day, I think, on Fernando Tatis's resume. What he did to test positive for the steroids, the 80-game suspension, the impact on the Padres, and the reaction from the people that run this team and made these player decisions. This is a huge, huge issue, and the story is not going to go away. Well, imagine if you're Peter Seidler. I mean, you've been ponying up all this money, loading up the Padre roster, backing up A.J. Preller. How is, how is Peter Seidler feeling today? I'll give you a prime example. When you talk about the Peter Seidler situation, all you needed to do was read the statement that the quote Padres made, which in essence the owner of the Padres made, talked about, we believe in the Major League Baseball drug testing program. It made no reference at all to Fernando Tatis. It was about the drug testing program and their belief in discipline. And I think to me it's stunning that Seidler moved Tatis out of the conversation because he did not want to condemn the player, but virtually everybody else did. I think he's offended. I think Fernando Tatis betrayed that owner who's done some amazing things, John, over a a two-and-a-half-year span. I think he betrayed the guys in that clubhouse who are fighting for their lives to try to get into the wild-card playoff race. And I think he betrayed the fans. They're going to draw $3 million, and this community has welcomed Fernando Tatis, superstar, with open arms. So Tatis has really, I think, damaged his reputation. But, John, I think that Peter Seidler elected not to make any reference to the tainted player because he might have said something that would have created a bigger uproar than the uproar we already have in the community. He has to be offended considering he's pushed all of his wealth to the center of the table to make all these trades and these free agent acquisitions and to sign all these draft picks and these international players. I think he really is stung by this whole situation. Now, other people have had other things to say. Well, you know, the messaging that's come out of Padre headquarters is very well calculated. You can tell that they scripted that message carefully. But we, there's so much that we don't know. I mean, I imagine what the board of directors, Seidler and the other ownership group, what are they talking about? Are they going through that contract with a fine-tooth comb? I don't think there's any risk that Tatis will have his contract voided. I don't think there's any risk they're going to dock him in salary for what he's done, John. But at the end of the day, he just keeps making bad decisions. And I think now 
They are really concerned about who this kid is and how this kid acts and what decisions this kid makes. Peter Seidler gave corporate generic responses. His general manager did not in in the uh, tunnel right in front of the clubhouse before the Padre-Washington game on Friday. It was amazing what A.J. Preller had to say. Well, yeah, let's talk about A.J. because he has, like you said, Seidler's put all of his chips in the table financially. A.J.'s put all of his chips in the center of the table with all of those prospects. Um, This is a win-now team. How is Preller feeling right now? I think Preller is really offended. And I think A.J. has been offended and has responded publicly. When you, as a general manager, start, start talking about topics like trust, maturity, responsibility, and decision-making, he made specific references, John, each of those topics when talking about Fernando Tatis. I was stunned that he would speak from the heart the way he spoke from the heart against this all-star phenom, iconic shortstop. And I think he called him out publicly because he wants to send a message to Fernando Tatis that you have a responsibility to this club, to this organization, for the money we gave you and how we have dealt with all the things you've gotten yourself involved in. I think he is really bothered by where this relationship is going. And I think he's casting doubts on Fernando Tatis. Now, maybe he's challenging Fernando Tatis publicly. And by virtue of this critique and commentary, he's challenging the agent, Jan Lozano, to meet with his client and solve this situation now. Uh, I mean, I've dealt with AJ extensively uh, over the six plus years he's been there. And he does not really deal in off-the-record comments. Maybe he doesn't trust the media. Maybe that's just not his way to do business. But, John, when he started using those words like trust and responsibility and maturity, I said, wow, he's never spoken about one of his own guys. Some guy's good, some guy's bad. He's never spoken that way about Fernando Tatis. So I think there's a message that has now been delivered to that shortstop and to that shortstop's agent that going forward, business has to be different as it relates to his, Tatis's decisions. Well, it's not unlike a, a parental child relationship, right? You know, you first you give him a little bit of slack, maybe some the, the youngster of some immaturity, a young man in his early 20s. But at some point, you've got to draw a line in the sand and say this is tolerable and this is not. Let's talk about Tatis. Let's talk about this whole storyline of who he is, how he's acted, and what he's done. Uh, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that we're dealing with steroids in one of the players in San Diego. I'm shocked because, John, he grew up in a baseball family. His father had a really nice career with the St. Louis Cardinals and made a lot of money. I'm shocked that Fernando knows the history of guys testing positive. He knows Manny Ramirez. He knows Robinson Cano. He's no new Alex Rodriguez and the extent of those guys getting disciplined the way they did when they tested positive. And yet he went and he did this. I'll be honest with you. I don't buy the theory that he he took this medication because of ringworm. <laughs> I was shocked yeah. and stunned yeah. that, that he would do that. Understanding 
that every baseball player has access to the greatest medical care there is, John, in professional sports. If there's an illness, you go to the club trainer who then gets you and directs you to the club doctor and you get treatment. He has to stay away from voodoo doctors in the Dominican Republic. (laughs) Johnny has to stay away from doing anything on, quote, purchasing meds on the black market. I don't understand why he would take that drug for that situation outside the circle of Padre trainers and doctors. Why would you ever do that? So I'm shocked with the rationale and the reasoning of what Fernando Tatis did. You know, and the other other factor here, it's an intangible factor. We're not talking about a dumb kid. We're not talking about a kid that grew up in poverty working on watermelon farms in the Dominican Republic off dirt roads. We're talking educated kid, baseball family, really smart guy. Why would you ever venture off the track of getting help if you're injured or ill to do this? Now, add into the equation what he did in the winter. John, he got injured, motorcycle accidents, plural. (laughs) Right. He injured his wrist. Was there any communication between Fernando Tatis and his agent, Dan Lozano? Granted, we were in a lockout, but he could have communicated to his agent. That agent could have gone to the Padres and said, we got a problem. They could have brought that kid in and then examined him got him treated because he was injured, even though clubs were not supposed to have relationships with players during the baseball lockout. So we've got this decision with the steroid. We got that decision and how he handled or did not handle it correctly. And you wonder, why is he doing this? Why is, is he acting this way? So there's a volume of questions about him his mental approach to dealing with things, his honesty with dealing with things. And now a line has been drawn on the sand by A.J. Preller. I mean, when Preller used the comments about maturity and responsibility, I said, wow, that's stunned. So, I mean, there's a big challenge out there for Fernando Tatis. But none of this makes any sense considering who he is, where he came from, and his life's experiences already. This should have never, ever happened. What I think should happen is Fernando Tatis should contact another great Dominican player. We just saw David Big Papi Ortiz go into the Baseball Hall of Fame, the legendary Red Sox star. He himself was suspended as a young player with the Minnesota Twins. I think Fernando Tatis has to talk to David Ortiz to talk about distractions, to talk about what you did to restore your reputation, and set a course going forward to be not just a great player, but become a great citizen because, John, I think he's really damaged his credibility in the community. And I think he's hurt his relationship with the Padre organization. Well, I mean, people all over town are just so disappointed in this young man. Like you said, it makes you wonder what kind of advice was he getting from his family, from his entourage. And the Tatis family is a is a solid name in the world of sports. In the Dominican especially. Yes. Yeah, so. He's bringing disgrace to his own family name. Um, so think about all the little children that are running around with number 23 Tatis Jr. jerseys around town. Are they going to still wear it or are they going to say he's a cheater and I don't want my child to wear a cheater shirt? I think the other angle that, that we should pay attention to is his history as a padre. You know, by the time this suspension ends next May, 
Fernando Tatis will have played 273 games for the Padres, will have missed 311 games for the Padres <laughs> because of the injuries, because yeah. he's played so hard, and now obviously because of this, this 80-game suspension. One of the things that nobody's talking about is if you're a first-time offender in the drug program, you could get a 20-game suspension or a 40-game suspension. If you're a second-time offender, it goes to 80. Was there a prior drug offense that projected him now into the 80-game suspension? And keep this in mind. If there is another issue as it relates to any type of drugs, be it marijuana or be it cocaine or be it some other type of steroid— The next suspension is going to be for one full calendar year. And to quote A.J. Preller, you are responsible for what is in your body. So now Tatis has all these things that he has to deal with in terms of his own responsibility and what he owes to the club and what he owes to the guys in the clubhouse. Uh, Going to be a big story going forward. This story is not over yet. It's it's just unbelievable. I mean, this young man is is has the world handed to him on a silver platter, three hundred and forty million dollar contract, gigantic banners on the face of Petco Park. Um, he's the, he, the face not only of the Padres, the face of Major League Baseball. And now, how are the how is how are the Padres going to cleanse their brand? How is Major League Baseball going to cleanse their brand? Well, I think, John, those are real valid questions. And we talk about the Padres themselves as a franchise. Uh, Understand that this is a young player. Young guys make mistakes. So, therefore, a club guiding this player, and go back to my thing about he should talk to David Ortiz about resurrecting his credibility, but a club guiding his player can get them out of the situation that he has put himself and, to a degree, has put this team in. And you ask the question— the Padres, the clubhouse, and this whole storyline, does it kill their playoff hope? No, because they got Juan Soto and they got Josh Bell. But it really damages them because they thought that with El Nino back in the lineup, even though it might have taken him some time to start to hit, that the Padres would propel themselves back into the fight for the first wild card spot. They are not going to catch the Dodgers, but they need to catch Atlanta. Because as we talked about on one of our earlier podcasts, John, they have to finish first in the wild card race to play at home. If they don't finish first, that means the best of three series might well be in Atlanta. And by the way, when you look at the standings as we march through this great sports weekend, you got the Cardinals and you got the Phillies and now you got the Padres. They're all fighting for the scraps on the table to see who winds up playing Atlanta in a wild card game and who has to go play the other division winner. And even if the Padres were to beat the first wild card team in a playoff, Atlanta, they got to go back to Dodger Stadium for the second round, and we know what that track record is. It doesn't kill the Padres, but it damages their ability, I think, to chase down the first wild card spot. Atlanta's got more wins than the Padres have right now. Phillies and Cardinals are right there in the mix. Milwaukee's knocking at the door. So we've got a dogfight for the final 40 games of the season. They don't have El Nino to be in the middle of a batting order that would have been unbelievable with Manny Machado, with Juan Soto, with Josh Bell. Maybe all that would have led to the reemergence. They would have caught Will Myers on fire. 
Uh, maybe it would have changed Cronenworth into the second half of the final third of the baseball season. So I think it damages her ability to go chase down the team that's in first place. So, I mean, we have so many different check marks that we can talk about. So that's where we are and what was supposed to be a great sports weekend. It's not a great sports weekend as it relates to the Tati situation. And I will tell you the tabloids on the East Coast are just skewering El Nino. The criticism, the columns, unbelievable. And this story is not going to end because the suspension's begun, because they'll dig and they'll find out more about Tatis's background and, and some of the other things that he's done. Well, I think that's what we're all hoping for. There's more to this story. There's, you know, behind closed doors, there's a lot of details, facts that are not being disclosed to the general public. Will those leak? I think we're all anxious to find out because what happened was just inexplicable. Decision-making, maturity, honesty, all those things that A.J. Preller mentioned standing in that tunnel in front of that clubhouse door before it was formally announced. Big things. He's got a lot of work to do to rebuild his credibility in baseball. A lot of work to do, I think, to rebuild the credibility in front of the Padre fans. And I'll tell you what, in a closing comment, John, if they don't make the playoffs, it won't be just because of fatigue pitching. It won't be because somebody got hurt. If the Padres don't make the playoffs after having been a half game out of first place and now 16 games back, they don't make the playoffs, Fernando Tatis takes some of the blame for that because he could have been a difference maker. No, I agree completely. Well, this is awesome, Lee. We're doing this emergency podcast. You know, this is hot breaking news. So it's great to have you here again. Well, we'll be back uh, towards the end of the week with our next podcast, and we hope you'll join us at the same time. I hope you'll check my website, uh, One Man's Opinion column coming up on Monday, which you may agree or you may disagree with. It'll be on the El Nino situation with the Friars. Check my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Thanks to John Riley's project for being part of our podcast today. Have yourself a great sports weekend. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. Touchdown, San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.